0: Sound then three, two, one. Hello, Champ and Sminger. Nice to meet you, and welcome to the Ponytail Show.
1: Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> um, so okay, for folks out there, um, Champ directed a beautiful short documentary called Yainin, and I saw it. I think you got you sent me a little um, DM by Instagram and I like just resonated with it straight away because you know it's about I think it's about you know a family relationship across like on two sides of the world it's about a badass grandmother who's running a who I think I read in a press release or something you called her a sausage tycoon which was really hilarious (laughs) to me but yeah she she runs a nam factory which um for folks who don't know what nam is it's a delicious northern northern thai sausage uh fermented sausage um and yeah like champ tell us about the documentary um give us the, the you know the spiel on the Docker, and then um, I would like to go into you know, why and the how and the what and all that. So take it away, Champ.
1: Sure. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, the documentary was made last year. It's 13 minutes long, so it's a short. Um, it was filmed in Chiang Mai, where my uh, mother's side of the family is from and also where I was born. I myself am based in uh, Seattle, Washington, at the moment. I'm an editor, and uh, this is very much a personal project. Um, I, uh, as my day job, do a lot of um, commercial work, uh, sometimes an occasionally fun uh, music video or, or you know, documentary short projects, things like that. Mostly branded content, because uh, a lot of that is happening here in Seattle. Mm. And um, I got really inspired from a lot of different people, and and and. Um, context as to, you know, my closeness to my, uh, my mom's culture, uh, and specifically being from Chiang Mai, uh, to feature my grandmother. Um, and, uh, we had a really great festival run this past year. Um, nice. it was a bit bittersweet since, the uh, you know, current circumstances made most of the festivals virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also just been a really great chance to meet a lot of, uh, especially Asian American filmmakers who are kind of doing the same thing, having personal, you know, passion projects and showing them at Asian-American specific uh, festivals and kind of meeting people in that way. And and from what I've gotten from the experience uh, screening it at different places, that it really resonates across, you know, the different spectrums of Asian-American identity because there is always uh, a strong thread of a matriarch or a, um, a motherly figure, either an auntie or a grandmother who mm. uh, is kind of the fulcrum of a lot of... Uh, Asian and Asian diasporic families. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and like my, my grandmother is just her own, uh, funny character. And, uh, my, um, experience just kind of being around her, uh, as a kid with her being my grandmother. And then as an adult, uh, when I lived in Chiang Mai in 2013 for almost two years, Mm -hmm. um, and just spent a lot of time around her and, uh, she would talk my ear off. We would go Mm -hmm. to a different temple in Chiang Mai every weekend with her driver. And, um, you know, and, uh, it was, it's, uh, it's not so much supposed to be a sweeping documentary about this woman. It's mainly, um, kind of trapping in a bottle, the feeling of visiting your grandmother and mm. around that feeling. I, um, you know, uh, it's a very specific kind of moment in time that happens for me personally living in the States, but visiting family in, in, in Thailand and how, um, older folks, they kind of just, especially, you know, Chiang Mai feels like an old city already, but you go to grandma's house and it's just a time capsule. It's just a moment in time that's always mm. been there. And uh, I have very, you know, affectionate um, uh, associations with that. And uh, yeah, and I, and I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll go into it yeah. some more, I'm sure, but you uh, really, yeah. You,
0: you really do get that feeling of, you know, affection and, and yeah, for sure love from, from the way that you shot the short film. Um, I feel like, like, I want to ask you actually, is this, was this your first project being director?
1: Um, yeah, I've, 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 uh, my day job tries to throw me a bone every now and then if someone, if, if, if uh, cause I've expressed interest in wanting to do more directing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, through their encouragement too they were like yeah you should definitely own this and mm. and you know be the kind of all-around director for it and um yeah I think that's it's definitely my first festival run so that's mm. been really exciting
0: and, like the thing about short films that is so striking is that you have to really communicate intention in a very short span of time and i feel like the editing like every small every second that's involved in the film is so crucial because you're communicating so much or in you know in such a short space of time um like how like i i guess let's go back and start with you know what motivated you to you know work like to to work on this passion project and where did the ideas and, and passion come from?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's obviously a very close, uh, story just mm-hmm. cause, uh, it's, um, it's especially about the grandparent that I'm closest to. Like I have, uh, I would say for me, three sets of grandparents and, um, and it, uh, was really affecting uh, especially to do this project about my Thai grandmother because my, uh, her husband, my grandfather passed away when, uh, I was in high school. Mm. And, um, and, you know, we've got a big contingent of, uh, of family here in, in, in the States. I grew up in Spokane, Washington. It's like very kind of like suburban America. And, um, I think I've there's I actually a,
0: interviewed someone from Spokane, um, a leather worker, um, by the name of Ben and, um, yeah, it looks like a stunning place to live, though. Like the
1: landscape seems incredible. Yeah, um, it's beautiful outdoor spaces, and yeah, I mean, uh, it's very, it's it's very nice. It's small. It and uh, uh, for me personally, growing up, it didn't feel very diverse, and I think mm. I've kind of expanded and you know reached out to um, other people and places since then. But it's a nice place to grow up for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I think yeah. definitely this part of the conversation um, is something I want to actually dive into because, you know, there's a lot of significance. We're, we're diverting, diverging from what you were talking about before, but um, I think there's a lot of impact. Your film has a lot of impact, especially right now, because, you know, the Asian-American identity is... Um, something that really needs to be explored more and talked about more um, and shared more, like, especially in this day and age where we are going through, um, unfortunately, a lot of Asian hate um, in the States and in other Western countries. Um, But I think maybe something you and I, even though we don't know each other very well at all, we just met today maybe there is some overlap in terms of growing up in places that is, that are not very diverse and being somebody who identifies himself as being mixed race and, you know, the challenges that, that brings, um, growing up, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's finding identity, it's like the, the idea of finding identity is something that maybe a lot of um, mixed-race people can relate to um, in terms of you know just going through their life making art and and exploring their roots and figuring out um, where they fit in or where they can f- find somewhere that feels like home and I think definitely through this project I can see that it's kind of open doors for you that have, you know yeah put you in touch with a lot of other people who are on this a similar um pathway and that like definitely I felt that through the yeah the film just the 13 minutes that yeah um but let's go back to you know where you you know where you found inspiration for the documentary did you write the um script yourself I mean not script but the storyline or the however you do when you make a documentary
1: sure um yeah I mean this is kind of a unique project in that it it was it was officially a documentary but I almost wanted to treat it like a short film slash maybe even a music video in that uh we wanted to have a plan as far as what uh what my grandmother's arc was, kind of like the the story that we're kind of taking you through with her, because we wanted to be very economical with the time that we had in Chiang Mai mm. with the the camera crew and everything. I Did was really you lucky shoot to shoot that
0: in three days. I read on your press release, you shot in three days. Holy crap!
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was really long three days, and most of it was spent, you know, during early early morning or late afternoon. Mm. Um, and but my grandmother rallied. She. I kind of just wheeled her around town and, and, you know, but, uh, she, she pulled through. Um, yeah. And, uh, I definitely, you know, uh, for, for someone who studied a little bit about, uh, documentary filmmaking in school and then, uh, doing some of it, you know, leading up to this project, I I definitely believe that some of the best documentary filmmaking is from people who really dug deep into their subject and, you know, did a lot of the research long before, Mm. The, sure. the subject was on camera. So a lot of pre-interviews and it's a very, you know, it was a very much, um, a family affair. So my, my mom, uh, helped out a lot in interviewing her mother, uh, and just kind of getting a sense of what we want to capture before we got there. Uh, mm-hmm. if there was any, any subjects that were, you know, uh, off limits or that she would feel sensitive about, um, and, uh, and then just planning that out, you know, we know mm-hmm. we want to feature her at her hair salon. Like I wanted that to be a very... Uh, distinct um introduction to her because it's just it's just fun and that's so (laughs)
0: important for for all the aunties like the thai aunties and the thai grandmas out there doing your hair having that perfect you know perm is so important every day
1: yeah absolutely and we weren't going to shoot anything unless that was like checked off first you know (laughs) um yeah, and uh, uh it, it yeah, so uh, we definitely had it pretty planned out before we showed up in Chiang Mai because I knew it was going to be a, a you know, uh, a really fast three days. Mm. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, so I guess like I want to know, like, have you been, did, did you want to do this project for a really long time? Has it been something that you, um, yeah you intended to do you know for years or was it something that you just kind of spontaneously came up with and and just like pulled resources together to get you know to do
1: yeah I think it was a mix of both feeling uh really confident in doing something personal uh in the work setting I was in like I said a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, I work around a lot of really badass like animators and directors that do a lot of work uh here in in kind of the video industry in Seattle and I've been an editor for the past five years. So I, 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 feel like I knew the steps that it needed to look and feel the way that I wanted. Mm. Um, and, uh, but it was also something that, uh, it took the time, you know, thinking about it in different ways long before, uh, for it to actually happen, because, uh, I wouldn't have had the connections, um, to video mm. production that I had, uh, had I not lived in Chiang Mai for a time, met some people in Bangkok who did some commercial work and, uh, our DP, uh, he's an expat from Canada who is based in kind of between tai, uh, Taiwan and and, and Bangkok. Um, but Liam Morgan, he he does a lot of commercial work, and he really fell in love with um, the treatment that I made. It's like the mm-hmm. document that kind of gives the look and feel for. Uh, the project, and he said, "Oh yeah, I would I would love to come to Chiang Mai, a because the food is great, and my crew and I will have a, a blast, and uh, and b because it felt like a really sincere project. So mm. I really lucked out in that way."
0: Yeah. Well, from the film, I see I kind of put together that your your mom and her siblings um, grew up in the states, um, and. Although, and you were born in Chiang Mai and but you also grew up in the States um, like let's talk about that because you know as a half Thai person growing up in the States there can be a lot of disjoint um, in terms of culture and um, language and just a lot of things like, did you grow up speaking Thai at home? Um, was Thai, the Thai culture quite influential on your upbringing? Or were you kind of like, um, yeah, quite Americanized and, you know, retraced your roots back when you moved to Chiang Mai in
1: 2013? Yeah, it was... Uh, uh of the a process over the course of my life of 30 plus years that um I grew up very american mom and her siblings who moved to the states she had uh two other siblings that moved with her and then one who stayed behind so we have cousins that are much more Thai in 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 that sense than than we are but um they kind of uh established themselves by having restaurants in Spokane uh kind of uh monopolizing the Thai food scene in Spokane Washington and um, we all grew up restaurant kids so I think that helped that that was mm-hmm. uh, that we had a lot of family reinforcement of uh, that culture that mm-hmm. you know Kamung was was spoken very loudly all the time in our mm-hmm. house um, we got Thai TV mom would follow you know, Lakon Thai, like all all the shows, and Lakon <laughs> um, Thai
0: for those listening are like Thai soap operas. Very important feature of Thai contemporary culture.
1: Big exactly. Time.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and yeah, I feel like we got very lucky that 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 was always really present at home. Um, being at 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 American schools, there's constant like you trying to be Americanized for yourself to fit in, and mm-hmm. sometimes being tokenized because you're just the Asian kid in one mm. particular cat class. Um, and then by that, it's just, they would be half right, you know, as, as mixed race, yeah. it's like, there's all kinds of conversations that you're in and dialogues confusing. that you're having. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And when you yeah. came back to Thailand in 2013, like, what was that like? Did you feel like kind of an outsider? Did it take a little bit of adjusting or, yeah, what was that about? Could you speak like pretty decent Thai already? Like having going to um, having grown up the way you did
1: I think it was mainly that I could receive a lot of Thai and be able to translate it internally in my head but projecting mm. it has taken years of confidence yeah. and yeah, um, yeah. and the and the years spent in Chiang Mai definitely helped meeting Thai friends and just getting back into the swing of it and you know my my relation to Thai language and my skill is kind of uh, uh, you know uh, relies on my proximity to Chiang Mai especially so
0: yeah yeah yeah. I moved back to Thailand in about in 2011 or something and I had zero Thai I came from Australia I had like zero Thai I did like a 10-week short course like one lesson a week before I left to come to Thailand and you know you do the basics of Thai but it's really like barely anything so i I came to thailand feeling like such an outsider like especially with the language barrier and everything but there was something that i grew up in thailand um up to the age of eight so there was like enough but you kind of forget it when you when you live in a very uh westernized um environment where you feel like you do need to blend in um or be felt like an out, be made to feel like an outsider as well. Being someone who, you know, like not just by looks, but just culturally inside, um, you might you might behave in different ways to other people in a Western environment, or you might enjoy different foods, or you might just see see the world in a different way than other people. But yeah, um, I felt the same kind of distance. Um, moving back to Thailand as well um, because yeah um, your experience has been fragmented like from a child to being an adult um, yeah language barriers um, yeah there's a lot of catching up to do as well which I feel is part of the fun especially as a creative person too it's there's like a joy of discovery and an excitement that happens when you're forced in a uncomfortable situation where you have to learn and like experience and connect with people in a way that you are not comfortable with um which is for some people super daunting for most people I'm sure super daunting but it's kind of fun too because you're pushing yourself in many different ways um yeah actually that brings me to a topic that I love talking about with creative people is like this idea of being uncomfortable and do you do you feel like um, creativity the the idea of pushing yourself into the unknown is an essential part of the creative process for you?
1: Oh yeah <laughs> Heavy I man. think. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh man, pushing into the unknown for um, a uh, a field like video and film production that um, gives some leeway for risk taking, but um, especially if there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you're especially trying not that to. Especially you've,
0: especially if you've crowdfunded your project, which you right. did.
1: Yeah, right. um, which I'm really grateful for, and um, but. Uh, yeah. And so there is a little bit of pressure and especially, I mean, uh, on top of trying to make sure that a film production goes well with a lot of people involved for this kind of thing, especially as someone mixed race, there was a lot of like personal, um, like, uh, expectation to, uh, mm-hmm. portray authenticity, mm-hmm. um, which I, again, relied on family and uh, the crew who are already familiar with the language as well and and with Thai culture in general that um, we could uh, dial it into something that feels personal to me, but also, you know, feels like it could have come from like a purely Thai context, Mm. if that makes sense.
0: Do you feel like, do you struggle with imposter syndrome also?
1: (laughs) I totally
0: do. (laughs) It's something that, I feel like um, creatively and just, yeah, culturally, um, being mixed race, you are kind of standing on two. your one foot is on either side of, you know, a world. And feeling this need to feel authentic in both worlds is like a really hard thing to juggle. But do you, do you feel that way too? I mean, you had that struggle with making the the film too.
1: Yeah i I tried not to. I tried to kind of just power through a lot of that mm. doubt um, by way of just interpreting my role um, as someone capturing my family, but also trying to be a very um, uh, uh, a documentary filmmaker at a distance who can kind mm. of be transparent and let the subjects portray themselves uh in mm. their most authentic way and uh just trying to yeah approach uh my you know my grandmother as any woman it's it's amazing how many festivals ask me like so how did you meet this woman how did you find because they don't associate <laughs> oh, they me don't with understand
0: her. the language either because there is something that i didn't pick up on which is very difficult to do is translation you know the Everyone has a different interpretation of what something means in another language. Um, so f- it is. it would be very different being a non-Thai person watching this film. The experience would be so different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I was hoping the entire time while translating it, you know, and uh, Mom felt... Has ha, throughout the process was very confident in that I was getting it pretty close and I was trying to give um, Kunyai inflections in English that uh, were in the spirit of the thing that she was saying mm. even if it wasn't 100% the right translation I mean as I close as possible I definitely
0: felt that yeah. yeah for sure and and just like a lot of things it's very subjective how to translate something it's more about again the intention behind something than the actual literal you know words the words being communicated um right yeah yeah for sure so sorry back to um the interviews from from different film festivals um like who what was what were people mainly asking you you know thinking that your grandmother was like a complete stranger
1: yeah it's hilarious how there's the the what um names can do. Like that. they see my name directed by Champ Benspring and they're like, wow, this guy really kind of dug deep into <laughs> Thai culture. And I was like, well, funny you should mention that. It's kind of in my back pocket that I'm a member of the family. So, yeah. um, yeah, which yeah. I feel like is, uh, is a, I take it as a compliment because I feel like I want to, I want to kind of remove myself as much as possible. I mean, knowing that it is family and, you know, um, it's a very, it's from my lived experience of, about, of this woman, but, uh, I wanted to be as removed from it as possible and for it to kind of speak for itself. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of my confidence came in, you know, that kind of, uh, smoothed out the frustration or like the anxiety of like trying to be authentic is that, uh, as far as being a mixed race person and an artist uh, or creative, you are functioning as a translator and you're a, you know, kind of a conduit for someone else to be to be able to show their lived yeah. experience and to translate that to a, a to other people that would have never experienced that for themselves.
0: Absolutely, um, I think yeah. like um, that's you know the case with any good writing, any good piece of um, communication. In that way, is assuming that the audience or reader has no idea about what you're talking about as well. You know, being able to communicate something to a broad like very diverse range of people is something very hard to do but I think that love that personal connection that you definitely sense when you see the film definitely makes it relatable to a, a range of people because it's to do with family as well although some people thought that it were, you were documenting a total stranger but there's still (laughs) the subject was about family you know yai your yai talks about you know family throughout the whole um the whole documentary she she calls for those who haven't seen the um film yet she she calls the staff at her factory um her you know but her basically her family as well um the people in the factory call her mom um which is like a very key key part of this this sense of um closeness that you feel from you know the, about the relationship she has with the people who make her nam sausages and you know and then we also look go into um, you know, her relationship with her family, you know, what she's, how she's built the business for her family and, um, who live on the other side of the world, you know, which is very beautiful as well. Um, like, yeah, let's talk about, um, do you identify as Thai and like, where would you, feel is home to
1: you um yeah I mean um I think by way of just always having uh growing up um, i an American kid for the most part but always having my tinyness as like a secret superpower that no one that I don't really express and I didn't really express until I was older um it's been you know a, a rediscovery of that and I have definitely identified as I've grown older as being more Thai and specifically someone uh, from Chiang Mai and just kind of the way that, uh, the definition of Thainess from Northern Thailand. Um, that resonates a lot with food in the family. Mm. Mom, you know, makes all the great dishes from uh, Northern Thailand um, and uh, my uncle what would does cook she that. make
0: the best? What's her like, what's her thing?
1: Um, she makes all, all kinds of great lap. Um, my lab. my stepdad asks mm. for lab, you know, pretty often, but like I grew up eating just kai and sticky rice, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but okay, we we got to explain for people who are not Thai and listening. Okay, lab oh, sure. is like, um, you know, a San, actually northeastern Thai, but also northern Thai um, dish because we have lab kua, which is my favorite kind of lab, which is like. Beef lab with um, blood and um, innards, um, kind of blanched, and then um, you know tossed in classic Thai spices and herbs and sauces, and then you have the northeastern version, which is more popular. um, That's like you know could be any a range of any kind of meat: duck, pork, chicken. Um, kind of blanched and then um, also tossed in like uh, roasted pounded rice, um, uh, fish sauce, um, lime juice, mint, uh, red onion, uh, a bunch of delicious things. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And and kaiju is like what every single Thai kid eats growing up. It's Thai omelet. And like everyone either has that with rice or in your case, you had it with sticky rice. Delicious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not, no frills, just like <laughs> salty, uh, fills you up. It's awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, I think uh, I, I wish that I had gotten more adventurous uh, the way that my mom is with spice and, and other dishes, um, but it didn't come around until <laughs> I uh, I lived in New York for a chunk of time and I worked at a restaurant called Poc Poc that's based uh, in yeah. Portland. Yep. And uh, I was there for two and a half years and really kind of you know, and, and there's a whole conversation about authenticity with Thai food in America. And, uh, I, mm. knowing that though, I felt like I was in a space that was, um, holding a lot of these recipes, uh, to high esteem. Shout out to yeah. Andy Ricker. I know that P Andy is living in Chiang Mai now, but, um, and then I'd take my mom to a place like Pog Pak, and she would, she would be the one to say like, this is pretty legit. Like mm. there are, there are ingredients in this dish that Thai people can't get, but they're doing it more authentically because they're, Incorporating that. So.
0: I'd love to dive into this actually because to me, authenticity in terms of communicating um, a culture is so important, and that always gets watered down in Western contexts because, especially for example, with Thai food. Thai food in America is shocking. Asi- a lot of Thai food in Western countries is shocking okay maybe you can't get the right ingredients but it's usually watered down to suit western um tastes it's like a lot of sugar is added a lot of like the spice is toned down and then therefore like and then a lot of the time you know similar sources are used for things that shouldn't be uh tasting similar to other things so it ends up you end up with like some very bland watered down um food which like is a complete you know that's a huge um conversation in itself because it's like the you could I don't want to put words but into strong words into this but yeah it's almost like the colonialization of food because um, there is a sense that the authentic version is not good enough or is not, you know, suited to a specific culture when I think authenticity is so important and the roots of something, communicating the roots of a culture is more important than catering to um, catering to the you know the tastes of the local area but I think there is that always that battle when you are running a business and when costs are so um, high and and, you know you're juggling so many things that these like very authentic details get lost in translation Um, yeah I think that is the case with foods from many different cultures but it's something that I feel very strongly about. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah it's a contentious subject for sure and um, I mean it's constantly in conversation. I still have friends who work in the restaurant industry and it's uh, yeah and and Thai communities as well like um, just what is the authentic especially yeah just are are you are you going to get to the same uh, level that is expected in the native country when you can't get a lot of you know these different uh, vegetables and things like that? Like, what mm. is your replacements? What what uh, um, shortcuts are you making and this stuff? Yeah. Um, all all the more reason that you know I felt like it was a treat to to tell people about Nam with this yes. Uh, project. Yes, let's talk about
0: <laughs> Nam. Actually, yeah, can a, you tell people about what Nam is and yeah, I'm sure you know way more about Nam than I do because you, your grandma, has a Nam factory, and it—it it, actually, I looked it up. It's like your grandmother's Nam is like famous in Thailand. It's really like popular.
1: Right. Um, yeah. The the sausage tycoon uh, label <laughs> wasn't given by me. It's from people who would meet my grandmother and be like, she is. Legit. Like, this is real. (laughs) This is, yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, uh, NEM is, uh, in its purest form, is fermented pork sausage, uh, often um, fermented with sticky rice. And uh, it's usually served pretty fresh. It's it's not cooked, so it needs to kind of, it, it doesn't have a long shelf life. Um, it can be used in other dishes to kind of, uh, give us, uh, it's sour profile, um, to, uh, like a fried rice, like a nem cow tod is like fried rice mm. with, uh, chunks of nem in it, which I enjoy a lot. Delicious. Um, or, uh, you eat it straight with, um, like, uh, green chilies and, uh, big chunks of garlic, mm. um, things like that. Just kind of like nibble at, um, yeah. So my grandmother is known for nem, uh, but, and over recent years she's done, uh, muyau, which is uh, a cooked form of sausage that you see in half moon shapes that kids also love. Um, and, uh, it's, I think it's more like nem. I, I may be wrong, but I felt like nem for, uh, a certain generation, uh, was very present and now has since become kind of an acquired taste. Mm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's still a market, especially in, in Chiang Mai and kind of the region Mesot, uh, the, the the border with Burma. There's still a lot of people who love uh, her brand, especially.
0: Mm, I think definitely from my perspective, the globalization of the world has changed the Thai tastes here in Thailand. And a lot of Thai young people um, are not eating like these old I don't even think they're acquired taste. Nam is delicious, but there are a lot of very picky eaters nowadays because people are growing up with KFC fried chicken and, like, very industrialized food, Um, and their relationship to food has changed. I've definitely noticed that. A lot of kids not eating their greens. You know, the wonderful thing about Thai food is how wild the food is actually and how seasonal things are, especially in your, in your like, nam and som thams. Things are, these are, like, chili paste eaten with different vegetables. A lot of the times, it depends on the time of year as to what kind of vegetables you're eating things with. And a lot of things, especially in Isan culture in the east of Thailand, is... Um, wild food you know things mushrooms picked from the forest um different you know beautiful like or in the south you know things you know like vegetables that are just growing everywhere there is an abundance of ingredients everywhere and unfortunately yeah the new generation is is like becoming more and more picky Um, Because maybe I'm just mainly talking about Bangkok kids, like big city kids. But, um, yeah, it has a really big impact on the way we will move forward with culture. And, yeah, I really hope that, um, you know, producers like your grandmother and her business um, thrive, continue to thrive um, as we are going through, as we enter a more globalized world. For sure. ya also is like something I really love, but it's also, I guess, um, can be used in Vietnamese cuisine as well. Um, which is like a big essential part in Vietnamese food as well. Um, which is cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another reason why I love, um, identifying as someone from, uh, Chiang Mai or, or associates with Thai culture specifically with Chiang Mai is because it's it feels like a gateway to um not necessarily it's like all these uh uh cultures that have kind of come up together uh you know uh my my mom or my grandmother's one of her parents is Burmese, and then her mm. other parent is Lao. And so um, you have a lot of those conversations of what I experienced living in Chiang Mai is, is how close uh, a kinship there is in food, especially, and in, in language, in Khmer and, and Lao uh, mm. languages, to be able to use the, them as kind of intermediary you know, languages uh, to speak to each other,
0: mm. which,
1: you know, I don't know how many people in Bangkok, A, understand Khmer, and B, I- can use yeah. that to speak to people from Laos so
0: I doubt yeah, yeah. Um, for for non thais who are listening um, I guess Chiang Mai is geographically positioned bit like you you're at the north of very northern tip of Thailand and you have to the north and to the northwest you have Burma and you have the Mekong River um, that pass it that make Makes a, a, a borderline between Thailand, Burma, and on the right, on the eastern side, you have Laos. Um, so there is like a place called the Golden Triangle, and that is where the, the river splits into three and divides the three pieces of land and three countries. Um, but that's closer to Chiang Rai, but it's also. In the north of Thailand, which is very close to Chiang Mai, so like a lot of dishes in Chiang Mai food, like cuisine, is heavily influenced by um, Burmese food and Laotian food, and obviously the language as well. One of my favorite um, dishes, Chiang Mai dish, like northern dishes, um, would be Kanom Jeen Nam Niao, which is like. Um, you know, rice noodles with, like, this sauce that kind of tastes like spaghetti bolognese, if I can describe it to people who don't, are not Thai. Um, but it's got, you know, pork and, and tomato and coagulated blood and, um, you know, veggies. But I found out that that actually comes from the Shan people in Burma, um, which is an indigenous um peoples from Burma they are a nomadic peoples um, so that's why they cross borders and the nam nio the nil um, part of the dish the the namesake of the dish comes from a special flower that from a tree that grows specific to that area of the world which is also very beautiful and delicious too do you have a favorite um northern dish
1: that he um, discovered
0: like going back to live over there,
1: yeah, I mean um uh we did a version of um Saitua, the the Saitua mm-hmm. platter at Pok, Pok that I really loved in general, num Piknum and and uh, the the green chili sauce that uh, kind of centers around the the whole dish, and you've got all these other little nibbles, like pork rinds and green beans and mm-hmm. um, pickled cabbage and um I was like. I always loved ordering that as my staff meal and uh (laughs) but I was like what if what is this like you know in in kind of the epicenter in in Chiang Mai and then when I moved and and found it you know in all these places Sightwood oh man it's the best
0: so so it's also sausage but it's grilled it's cooked and it's like a pork sausage that has a lot of herbs I don't want to lead people down the wrong path because I don't actually I can't name exactly what herbs I feel like there's definitely ginger and maybe kaffir lime and like a bunch there's definitely kaffir lime in there and like chili and garlic and a bunch of delicious herbs in the actual sausage meat and that's grilled and you have it with toasted peanuts and chunks of ginger whole chilies um, red shallots and it's so delicious you find it like people grilling it on the side of the road just for like just a casual snack afternoon snacks yeah so good so like so good. was the in Chiang Mai kind of like a different did you find like different versions of what you had had in the states
1: yeah it was a it was a, a gradient like uh, um Poc, Poc had done its homework kind of to get the bare basics. Um, but obviously, you know, the spread consists of very fresh veggies or, or things that were in season that just really uh, make it a lot more alive uh, mm. of a dish. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it doesn't feel, it tastes so like uh, uh, preserved, you know. It, uh, I think there's uh, components when you get a, a, a dish like that, it, you know, they're trying to do an authentic Thai dish in Brooklyn that something is just feel a little bit canned. But mm. when you see it out in the wild, you know, in, in Chiang Mai, it's just a whole other thing. And the freshness um, and, is there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I know that you've just kind of released the documentary out into the big bad world of the internet. Um, how, like, what, what happens from here for you?
1: Oh boy. Um, I, I, I love this question as you can tell, but,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> We're diving into the, the big, bad unknown.
1: Yeah. I mean, the theme yeah. Of uh, now. Yeah. Adaptation, um, translation. Yeah. It, um, I've, I've been really grateful for having this, uh, festival run and then releasing the film finally as kind of, a thing that I did during quarantine, you know, and, and, uh, aside from just being able to work in the industry that I've kind of been stubborn enough to stick around in, um, for the longest time, I feel like maybe 10 years, uh, working in video production. I, um, hey, I am that's excited. What it, takes. it is. Yeah, yeah. Just to kind of keep at Bring it. it in, um,
0: yeah
1: hmm um, I do want to follow through with a lot of these Asian American filmmakers, you know, who I consider mm-hmm. colleagues. Almost like this past festival run is almost like uh, you're meeting a cohort of of folks that are studying the, at the same time and then f- mm. finalizing or you know finishing all of their final projects and and sharing that to each other. And uh, I. Yeah, it's just been a treat to kind of meet other people, especially Thai people. There's Thai-American filmmakers yeah. just kind of in these little parts of the world that I'm just like, yes, this is, you know, we feel seen like yeah. all at once. Yeah.
0: Thai film is so exciting, especially in the more indie film, in the like, in indie film and also in like more commercial film. I feel like Thai film is definitely um, it has a very unique perspective. And I mean, one of my favorite things in the world is Thai comedy. Thai comedy is the best thing ever. Thai people are so funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that's exciting for sure. Like um, for folks out there who want to um, check out their film, check out your work, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, uh, the film you can watch in its entirety at Yainin Doc. Uh, and you can also support us. Uh, there's a Yainin shop uh, with a really awesome uh, poster uh, for the film I that saw was designed. It's
0: beautiful. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, it was uh, designed by a Korean artist named Dohee Kwan, who's, uh, who goes by Kimchi Superpower. Uh, <laughs> she's based in Chengdao. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and then some other fun things, some postcards and things like that. And um, yeah, I would love for more people to check out the film sick
0: dude well i really enjoyed it i've watched it multiple times already and yeah i really appreciate you thank you so much for being on the podcast
1: yeah absolutely thank you for having me
0: bye everybody bye